You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Well, I kind of wish we were kicking off the regular season Bruce Exclusive shows with a little bit better news. The Buffalo Bills fell to the New York Jets in overtime on Monday Night Football to bring their season record to 0-1. And what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the narratives that have come out from the game. Now, overwhelmingly, there's one narrative, but that has been branched into and kind of bled into by other things. So we're going to try to touch on it. We will also do plurality pie because for those of you who are new, one of the main hallmarks of regular season Bruce exclusive shows is plurality pie, where we will assign specific percentages of a win or a loss to specific aspects of the team. It is not meant to be a hard and fast scientific rule, but rather to reinforce the idea that this is a team sport and that there's never one reason ever, never. There are lots and lots of plays over the course of a NFL football game. There's never one reason why you win or lost. In fact, the biggest reason is still overwhelmingly not the majority. So we're going to go through that, but we're going to start with the title of this podcast, which is The Best Ability. Now, if you've been following football for any meaningful amount of time, or you played football, or you consume even the slightest amount of football content, you're going to think you know what I'm going to say, which is this. The Best Ability is availability. It's one of those wonderful footballisms, coachisms. It extends to professional sports in general. And you hear it all the time. Can't make the team if you're in the cold tub. And usually they're referring to injuries. But I would like to adjust that statement. I would like to take a well-held and tightly held coachism, footballism, sportsism, whatever you want to call it, And I'd like to change it because it's not precise enough for me. The best ability is not availability. The best ability is reliability. 
If I call my friend and I ask them to help me move next Friday and they say, yeah, I'm available. That doesn't really mean anything to me. Them being available does not mean that they're going to show up. Them being reliable means they will. Or even if they turn me down, at least I'll know ahead of time. They are reliable. They do what they say they're going to do. Reliability is availability plus execution. And that's the thing I needed to add. I needed to add execution. Because just being available is not the best ability. Reliability is the best ability. Because even if you're not good, at least I know what I'm getting. And I can plan for that. If you say, no, I'm not going to help you move, at least I know and I can plan. You are reliable with your word. If you're someone who says, yeah, I'll be there, and I don't know if you're going to actually show up, then that's the worst case scenario. Yes or no is better than uncertainty. Reliability is the best availability. And of course, you know, we've talked about this before. If I'm asking them to help me move, and it's not awkward for me to say or awkward for them to hear, by definition, they are a friend. That is the Bruce definition of the word friend. If you use that, you don't really have as many friends in your life as you think you do. So the best ability is reliability. It's true with my friends in life, and it's true in football. Josh Allen has games where he is not a reliable quarterback. You don't know what he's going to do. You can't plan around it. He is not less of a quarterback. It's not like, well, he has these limitations, and so we will design a system around the limitations. It's not like he's not available to make those throws. He's just not reliable to make those throws. It's not he's not capable of being patient. It's that he's not relied upon to be patient. You can't count on him to remain patient. And so reliability becomes far more important than availability. I made a comment before, traits give you options, right? You have all the options in the world at your disposal when you have Josh Allen as your quarterback. He is an alien. There are no quarterbacks on the planet who can do literally everything that Josh Allen can do. Nobody. Not even the best quarterback in football, which is Patrick Mahomes. He can't do every single thing that Josh Allen can do. But the best ability is not the availability of traits. It's not all the things you can do. It's all the things you can be counted on to do. And Josh Allen sometimes cannot be counted on to not get reckless. You were in a situation where all you had to do to help the Buffalo Bills win this game was screw up fewer times than Zach Wilson. That was what you needed to do. Screw up fewer times than Zach Wilson. And you didn't do it. And that's become a habit. Having games like this has become a habit. We've had games like this. This is not the first time. This will not be the last time, I don't think. I hope it will be. But it's different than just having a bad game. It's having a game where you just want to shake him and go, what are you doing? Why are you making the decisions that you're making? It's different than the ball not bouncing your way. It's different than just getting a little bit fooled. 
Ah, oh, man. They got me that time. Occasionally, they get me. A defense is tricky. I made a comment on social media that the Jets' defense is to Josh Allen what the Cleveland Browns' defense is to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has historically struggled against the Cleveland Browns' defense. It's ironic because the Browns have a completely new defensive coordinator this year, but yet somehow that struggle seemed to carry over, which is just odd to me because at that point it's not really connected. It's a completely different defensive scheme, but something about the personnel doesn't match up super well with the way that Joe Burrow wants to play football. And the Jets, I mentioned this before, the Jets play Josh Allen better than any team he's ever played. They play him better. Not even Bill Belichick, noted defensive mastermind and great game planner on the defensive side of the ball. Not even he has historically played Josh Allen as well as the New York Jets. So yeah, there's an aspect to that for sure. But mostly it's bad habits that get you frustrated. Let me give you an example. My wife is almost a perfect human being. She has so unbelievably few flaws that it makes them even more obvious. And they stick out like sore thumbs. Let me tell you about one. Our kitchen counter has a little nub at the end of it that is about seven and a half feet from the trash can that's in the room adjacent to the kitchen. And rather than just throw things away in the trash can, my wife will sometimes set them on the counter that is closest to that room and then they get left there. So then the countertops get messy and they're full of things that she otherwise could have thrown away if she just would have moved seven feet to one side. It's an incredibly infuriating habit because she gets overwhelmed sometimes when the countertops are messy. Well, the countertops are messy in part due to the fact that you didn't just take an extra few seconds and throw it away in the actual garbage can. So I find myself throwing those things away all the time. And we have a good time joking about it. But the first time we talked about it, she was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that, that would help. That would help me get overwhelmed less often if I threw that away. But she didn't. And it just keeps happening. And to this day, it, it still keeps happening. She knows that it would be helpful to her if she were to do that. It's not just because it annoys me. It actually has a negative effect on her mental health because she doesn't do it. But she just doesn't do it. It's a bad habit. It gets me frustrated. It gets her frustrated. It's bad for her and it frustrates me because I go, what is so hard about this? What is so difficult about just literally it's, it's two and a half steps from where you're already setting it down. That's the situation with Josh Allen. Just don't throw the ball up into double coverage. Just don't flail it. Just take the easy thing. It's right there. I know you see it. But in that moment, the compulsion is so strong that he knows after the fact he shouldn't have done it. But in the moment, he can't stop himself from doing it. And that's what makes you frustrated. Because we look at it and go, this is not that hard. Just don't do that thing. We're not asking you to do something that you can't do. We're asking you to not do something that you already know you shouldn't do. And that's what makes it frustrating. What makes it frustrating is the fact that there are open people. 
So for those of you who want to throw this entirely on Dorsey or the offensive line, I am sorry to report that there were open people. Josh could have done it if he was patient. And when it comes to the offensive line specifically, Josh Allen was pressured on 26% of his drops backs. That's the 10th fewest of any quarterback. It wasn't like they were breathing down his neck all the time and Wow, goodness gracious, if he just had a second in the pocket. No, no. He created his own stuff. There were plenty of times where he hit his back foot. The pocket was fine, but he was expecting it. His pocket management created urgency and created situations where options got cut off from him because he had to bail out. He took the third most hits, the fifth most sacks, and was sacked on 11% of his dropbacks, which was the fifth most. This is the inverse of what we normally see from Josh Allen, who is really good at stopping pressures from converting into sacks. In this game, he was creating sacks more than they rightfully should have been created. He was creating quarterback hits more than they should have rightfully been created. He was the inverse of what we have historically seen statistically from Josh Allen when it comes to the correlation between pressures and other things that are connected to them. Quarterback hits, sacks, things like that. Josh Allen was worse than Ken Dorsey. He was worse than the offensive line. If you really want to take this performance and just say, well, yeah, it happened because of the offensive line. It happened because of Ken Dorsey. We just mentioned the fact that all of those things contribute for sure. But I don't think there's a reasonable argument that those things contributed more than Josh Allen did. He was worse than his protection. He was worse than Ken Dorsey on Monday night against the New York Jets. I have mentioned to you about my dog, Drax. Drax is a wonderful dog. He is a a young golden retriever. And one of the main traits of Drax is that he doesn't do anything subtly at all. Everything he does, he does hard. He loves hard, snuggles hard, sleeps hard, plays hard, chews hard, eats hard. Everything is 150% when it comes to effort. Everything he does is like that. doesn't do anything subtly. When Josh is described... As a golden retriever, I picture him as Drax on days when it doesn't go Josh Allen's way. On days when he's not performing at a high level. Because nothing happens subtly. Everything is spastic. Everything is big. Everything is bold. Everything. There's no subtle pocket movement. There's frantic scrambling. There's no layered touch passes. There's absolute cannons and launching it downfield. There's not a lot of nuance to Drax. And when Josh Allen's having a bad day, what you see from him is you see the lack of nuance from the quarterback position come out. And that's the best way that I can describe Josh Allen's day is that it was bad Drax. It was the bad side of the Golden Retriever correlation. The bad side of the Golden Retriever metaphor. Now, in his defense... One of the other narratives that's come out of the game is the, I'm sick and tired of hearing this from Josh Allen. He'll sit up there at the press conference and he'll 
have a solemn look on his face and he'll say, yeah, you know, I cost my team a win. You know, I got to be smart with the football. And we're just sick and tired of hearing it. To that I say, I understand. I really do. I get it. When my wife tells me she's going to make sure that she puts the trash in the trash can and not on the corner of the counter, yeah, I am kind of sick and tired of hearing it. But what else is she supposed to say? Because for me, you could say, well, I just want her to do it. Well, I just want him to do it. I do too, but he can't do it in the press conference. There's, there's no opportunity for him to do it in the press conference. That's not his opportunity. So in the press conference, all you do is talk. So knowing that all you do is talk in the press conference, what other answer would you prefer that he give? I agree. Broken record. I agree 100%. But there's no other alternative. Do you want him to bristle and get defensive? No, you, you just get mad. It would be a big national storyline. Do you want him to say nothing and shut it down? That would be a bigger storyline. I understand that you want action, but the time for action isn't in the press conference. So yes, I know that you're sick and tired of hearing it. And I get that. I totally do. But there's nothing else he can say. That is the only correct answer, quote unquote, correct. You can't see me. I'm doing air quotes answer to that question. So although I'm frustrated too about the broken record concept, I don't get mad when I hear it because he's in a press conference. That's, that's all he can say at that point. But yes, I do want to see it. One note on offensive line play real quick, because I don't think Spencer Brown played overly well, but there was a clip going around about him getting pushed back into the, into Josh Allen's lap. And, and that that's bad for sure. But When you are looking and evaluating offensive line play, I beg of you to make sure that you are checking how many steps are in the drop of the quarterback. Because no offensive coordinator installs a play where there's a three-step drop and it's expected of the offensive line to hold their blocks for three and a half seconds. That's not a thing that goes together. In fact, one of these conversations came up on the Jets' sideline where with quick passes the offensive line will actually cut the defensive lineman. Because if the defensive lineman gets up and runs toward the quarterback, which they will, right? The ball is supposed to be gone by then. So the offensive line doesn't worry about it. If you cut block and they, you know, get chopped down, they get back up and run to the quarterback and sack them, the offensive lineman is going to look around and go, that's not my fault. I did my job. I held for the appropriate amount of time. I held up. Held is probably the bad way to word this. I held up in pass protection for the appropriate amount of time as designated by the pass play. If it's a three-step drop and that three-step hits, the ball should be out. If it's a three-step drop and he holds and holds and holds and the offensive lineman gets backed into him, that's not an offensive line issue. That's a quarterback issue. Because in no cases, in zero cases, is there going to be a, a one-step, like a rocker drop, right? Or a three-step drop from a quarterback under center. And he holds the ball for three seconds. The guy eventually beats the tackle and we go, oh gosh, that offensive tackle. What are they doing? This is why pass block win rate is valuable to include in any discussion in regards to pass blocking. Pass block win rate's important because it's not did they hold up, it's how long did they hold up. 
And two and a half seconds is usually what they view as being a barometer because that's the average time pressure in the NFL is 2.5 seconds. But just because your offensive line got beat eventually does not necessarily mean they didn't do their job on the play. If they get beat after 2.85 seconds, it was a three-step drop. That's on the quarterback. The ball should be out. The three steps were not designed for you to sit there at the top of your drop and hold for four seconds. No plays are designed that way. No plays are designed. Okay, now you're going to take a three-step drop now, Josh. And then once you get to the top, you're going to pat the ball seven times. And then the ball is going to come out. And he gets to five pats. He gets sacked. And we go, (laughs) offensive line, what are you doing? Quarterbacks own a meaningful percentage of their own pressure rate and their own sack rate. A lot of that is on the quarterback. And Bengals fans are already past this conversation. They had this conversation regarding Joe Burrow very early on. It feels like Bills fans are just now getting ready to accept that truth. Because before, it was all, anytime Josh Allen gets pressured, it's got to be an offensive line issue because Josh is perfect. But it feels like we're starting to come around now to the idea that maybe, maybe he brings a chunk of it on himself. And in a lot of cases, that was such against the New York Jets. We've got some stuff to talk about, but stick with me. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We talked about Josh Allen, pocket management, some of the issues, some of the stuff, some of the what are you going to do differently, some of the how do you talk about it. We are going to go to emails, and we're going to go through a couple of emails that I got. I got one email from somebody who wanted to remain anonymous, and I'm not going to read the entire thing, but he told me that he was very excited that the Bills lost a heartbreaker, and he felt okay. And if you've been following this pod for any meaningful amount of time, 
that is the best thing that I can contribute towards you. The best thing I can give my listeners is a sense of perspective and a sense of peace. Because if I can somehow make your life better in a meaningful way, that's far more important than me teaching you what the coverage rules are in cover six, for example. So just wanted to say, I got it. I'm excited for you. I'm glad that I'm able to make a a positive impact. Andy says, Bruce, what a way to start the season. It brings me to my point. At what point does week one take evolve from an overreaction to a valid criticism? I ask because, well, social media seems to be calling for Ken Dorsey to get the ax. Now, I'm never one to take such an extreme position while the season is still in its infancy, but I can see why it's an issue. I don't know how you feel, but I'm not sure if any of the concerns raised about Dorsey last season were alleviated on Monday night. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but like, come on. I feel like the offensive game plan and play calling failed to evolve and adjust as the game progressed. A run up the middle on second and 15 from your own 20 in overtime when those sorts of plays went nowhere during the game and Allen and Diggs were cooking? Why? At what point will McBean have had enough? As strange as it is for me to say, I hope it's sooner rather than later. Thoughts. So we're going to talk about Ken Dorsey. Let's do it. So yeah, I didn't like the draw play on second and 15 either. But I specifically want to tell you why I had issue with the draw play and what my criticisms are for Ken Dorsey. Because I mentioned earlier, I don't hold Ken Dorsey nearly as responsible for this loss as I do Josh Allen. My issue with the draw play is not necessarily you called a run on second and long. Because I always hate that. Like that's... Very, very rarely am I like, yes, awesome. Run on second and long. So that's a standardized. I don't like it already. The reason I didn't like that one more is because it was the fourth time that game that play was called. I don't like recognizing the plays over and over and over again. If I recognize them the first time through on a broadcast view, that's probably not enough play diversification for me unless that play is just overwhelmingly successful and you're just spamming that same button until they stop you. Because I don't think that you would look at that play and think overwhelmingly it was successful so they just kept hitting the button. Because it wasn't. But one thing I want to keep an eye on with Ken Dorsey moving forward, I'm planting the bug week one right now. Personnel diversity is great. Ken Dorsey pulled out a lot of different personnel groupings against the New York Jets. A lot more 12 personnel than we're used to, but there was some personnel diversity. There was some 02 personnel diversity, which is very rare. The Bills hadn't run a single snap of 02 in 2022. They ran it on Monday night. But personnel diversity comes with it sometimes, play predictability. I like the personnel diversity but not if it leads to too much play predictability. Now, you're not going to be able to necessarily tell that week one, but keep an eye on it moving forward. It's something we're going to think about. I'm going to give you an example. If you go into a week with 105 plays in your game plan, okay, typically a team will go into the offensive game plan week and they'll have between 90 and 120 plays at their disposal for that week. Let's say there were 40 in 12 personnel, 30 in 11 personnel, 20 in 10 personnel, 10 in 21 personnel, and 5 in 02 personnel. Okay? You have five different personnel groupings, 
40 plays, 30 plays, 20 plays, 10 plays, 5 plays. That's 105. And you have a different team that goes in the exact same week, and they have 60 plays in 12 personnel, 35 plays in 11 personnel, and 10 plays in 10 personnel. The plays are going to be a lot easier to diagnose and a lot easier to recognize with the first example than they would be in the second because you have fewer options in any given personnel group. So when you're in 12 personnel, in the first example, you have 40 plays. In the second example, you have 60. In the first example, you have 30 plays in 11 personnel. In the second example, you have 35 plays in 11 personnel. So this doesn't show up week one because you're not going to repeat almost anything week one. Because there is no film on you going into week one, except the stuff from last year and stuff changes meaningfully year over year. That's always the case. So it's something I'm keeping an eye on because you can't have massive amounts of personnel diversity without also injecting a little bit of predictability, a little bit higher likelihood, a little bit higher chance of a defense guessing the play call. So I love the personnel diversity. I love it. But the onus becomes on the offensive coordinator to be able to run the same play looking a little different every time to keep things like that from happening. And the great offensive coordinators can do that. They can run the same concepts, but it can look different So the defense doesn't know it's the same thing until it's already too late. So I'm keeping an eye on that when it comes to Ken Dorsey, because if I'm going to see this level of personnel grouping diversification, which is great, I love it, by the way, there's a caveat there because you're not going to go into a, a game week with 160 plays now. Well, you know, we had 120, but we want to add more diversity. So we're going to add another 40 plays. It's probably not going to happen. You're going to have the same amount of plays, but they're going to have a fewer amount of plays from each personnel grouping. So your ability to run the same play from multiple personnel groupings will also help this. The exact same play from different personnel groupings. This is where having versatile offensive pieces matters. Someone like Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox, where you're comfortable having them split wide and you're comfortable having them in the slot, and you're comfortable having them in line, because now you can run the same plays from different personnel groups because you can move that person any, anywhere. They don't have to be lined up in a specific spot, because if they do have to be lined up in a specific spot, then that's one step closer to being a giveaway, one step closer to being a tell. So I don't like the draw play because I recognized it, and it wasn't recognizing it in a good way. So that's the reason why I didn't like the draw play. So yeah, I have Ken Dorsey as a little bit responsible for this, but not very much. My main concerns with Ken Dorsey are things like more play action, please. More pre-snap motion. Would you like Josh Allen to be less frantic, Ken Dorsey? If you would like him to be less frantic, one of the ways you can do that is by giving him more answers before the snap. How do you give him more answers before the snap? More pre-snap motion and shifting. I truly believe, I'm going to plant my flag right now, that the Buffalo Bills can get the best version of Josh Allen if they increase pre-snap motion. 
Because the more secure Josh Allen feels in what he sees before the snap, the less likely he is to be frantic after the snap. And if he's less likely to be frantic after the snap, he's less likely to do the kind of boneheaded things that sometimes he does. That's my big thing with Ken Dorsey. There was a lot of easy buttons built in with Brian Dable. High play action, high motion at the snap. Those things took a dip with Ken Dorsey. I want them back up. You are seeing the effect on Josh Allen when you allow the brain to run rampant with all the possibilities. Narrow it down for Josh Allen. Help him get answers before the snap. Also, you know, maybe come down to the sideline and help manage your quarterback from an emotional level. That matters. Having somebody who can look in your eye, that matters. So that's my Ken Dorsey thing. I already had that planned, and then Andy asked me about it. So yeah, I have some questions about Ken Dorsey. I have some issues with Ken Dorsey. But it's not because of what you think it is. It's because of other stuff. Luke says, hey, Bruce, what do you think? Is Josh Allen regressing to the mean? 2018 and 2019, and then 2020 and 21, and then 22 and 23. You could make a case of like a pyramid if you take the six seasons in pairs. 2022 and 2023 are not nearly as bad as 2018, 2019. To me, it's it's not close. I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I've gotten some hate for it. 2018 and 2019 versions of Josh Allen are not extendable quarterback play. That's I have no interest in offering a market extension to quarterback play if I'm going to get 18 and 19 Josh Allen. No interest at all. 2020, 2021, 2022, yes, absolutely. So I actually think it's starting from his best season and going backwards. I think it's 2020, then 2022, then 2021, then 2019, then 2018. Obviously, 2023 doesn't count. So for me, it doesn't look like a pyramid. To me, it looks like uh, going way uphill. Almost, It looks like the narrative structure of a book. You know, you have a build and you have a climax. And then after your climax, you have a little bit of a dip to the epilogue. But you never really get as low as you do at the beginning where you're world building and things like that. It almost looks like that. So for me, it doesn't look like a pyramid. So I have a hard time saying regression. Evan says... I back, guys. Trust me, I back. The last few years, Josh Allen's carved up the Patriots after the debacle of performance on Monday night. What's the best way for him to get right? That's right. Demolish the great value Patriots, a.k.a. the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Allen, his prediction, is going for 34 of 40 for 344, three touchdowns, and rushes for 44 yards and a touchdown, hurdling a player in the end zone for some reason. He also has one idiotic interception because he's our gigantic, stupid, lovable golden retriever. You see, I was ready with the golden retriever thing. Bills win 31-13. Las Vegas native Dalton Kincaid has a 100-yard receiving game, a la vintage Cole Beasley. Ed, Groot, and Leonard all get sacks. Hamlin is active and gets an interception, all but locking up comeback player of the year. I mean, I'll take it. Anything's better. When I had to dive into the All-22, just so you know, the reason why the Bruce Exclusives drops on Thursdays is because I record on Wednesday night because I have to review the All-22 on Tuesdays. That's the reason why. And I don't want to say anything that I'm willing to really stamp my my foot on, like really place my flag in without watching the All-22. 
Because I feel confident saying things like, Josh Allen was worse than his protection in Ken Dorsey. I feel confident because I watched the All-22. And I was specifically looking for that. I can't review every player. I, I, can't, I can't do it. I just, there's not enough time in the day. I can't say, well, you know, I watched all Ed Oliver and all of Daquan Jones and all of Terrell Bernard and all of Jordan Poyer and all of everything else. I, I can't do it. So we're going to finish up with plurality pie. Plurality pie. Josh Allen, 39%. Spencer Brown, 11%. Jordan Poyer, 11%. You're the last line of defense. The tackling was bad. Trey White, 10%. Tackling. Again, finding coverage. Tackling. Ken Dorsey, 9%. As I mentioned, do the things to help your quarterback. You are not doing the things I want you to do to help your quarterback. Other, 20%. Josh Allen, 39%. Spencer Brown, 11%. Jordan Poyer, 11%. Trey White, 10%. Ken Dorsey, 9%. Other, 20%. Ladies and gentlemen, we have done it. The first regular season episode of the Bruce Exclusive is done. And sometimes you start off on a stinker. And you know what? That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumpers. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.